0: The following is a message by Dr. W. Robert Godfrey from Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about this message or Westminster Seminary, visit us online at wscal.edu or call us at 888-480-8474. That's online at wscal.edu or call us at 888-480-8474. We read God's word this morning from uh, Paul's second letter to the Thessalonians, taking up our reading at chapter 2, verse 9. Second Thessalonians, chapter 2, at verse 9, reading down through chapter 3, verse 5. Let us hear God's own word. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan, with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refused to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. But we ought always to give thanks God for you brothers beloved by the Lord because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the spirit and belief in the truth to this he called you through our through our gospel so that you have, may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ so then brothers stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us either by our spoken word or by our letter. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men for not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you that you are doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. So far the reading of God's word. In the Nicene Creed, we confess, I believe, one holy Catholic and Apostolic Church. And often in the history of the church, uh, treatises written on the church have been organized around those four attributes of the church. And uh, as we read Paul's letter, his two letters really to the Thessalonians, uh, one of the things that uh, comes very clearly to us is Paul's own effort to make clear what is meant by an apostolic church, what is meant by apostolic truth. Uh, Paul, over and over again, returns in these letters to the subject of the word of God that has been preached by him to them and calls upon them to hold on to that word, to stand fast with that word, to preserve that word among them, to follow that word. And in reading these letters, one cannot help but be convinced, or at least I can't help but be convinced, that in the great debate at the time of the Reformation as to what made an apostolic church, the Reformers were exactly right. An apostolic church is not one that can claim it was founded by an apostle. But an apostolic church is one that holds to the teaching of the apostles. Uh, Whether one by unbroken line of descent through bishops can trace a church back to the apostles matters very little if today that church perhaps founded by an apostle does not give any regard to the apostolic word or the apostolic truth. And that's what Paul is saying over and over again to these Thessalonians, one of the major themes that runs through these letters, hold on to the truth. And you have received that truth in my word, Paul says, whether through my preaching or through my writing to you. Hold on to that. He says to those Thessalonians, you made a wonderful beginning. Because when I came and preached to you, you accepted my word for what it was. The word of God. You recognized that. And uh, throughout these letters, he, uh, he recognizes that not everyone does accept that truth. Not all have faith, he says. Uh, Some have loved the lie. Some have embraced deception. Some have been visited with delusion. And Paul's passion is that that might not be the characteristic of the people to whom he's ministered. And so at this closing chapel, when uh, your minds are tired and distracted and... uh, We gather as a a holy remnant. Um, uh, Clearly, the A students are the ones who are here today. uh, Or maybe the desperate F students as well. Um, uh, But uh, as we began the semester, uh, stressing the value of our opportunity to study God's word. Now, at the end of the semester, I don't want us to lose heart. I don't want us to be tired out. But I want us to be restored in that confidence in the apostolic word. In that confidence that what Paul has left us as a deposit, uh, along with other writers in the New Testament, is indeed that truth that Paul says in the first place has saved us. Chapter 2, verse 13. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you, as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the spirit and belief in the truth. We are saved indeed by the work of the spirit working in our hearts, regenerating us, making us new people. But we're also saved by believing the truth. It is the word that is foundational to our salvation, not just to the salvation of others, but to To our salvation. And Paul is concerned with these Thessalonians. Paul is concerned for you. That all together we continue to hold on to that word. That word that first came to us in power. That word that first came to fill us with such joy and with such confidence. And that word that continues to be the only path to salvation for us. Believing the truth. Not allowing ourselves to embrace deception. Uh, not allowing ourselves to enter into the delusions that surround us on so many sides. Paul speaks here of the man of lawlessness that will be revealed. It seems to me taking the New Testament as a whole, this should not be understood primarily just of a single individual, but a pattern and a reality that is repeated over and over again in the history of the church of those who rise up to claim to speak for God, but in fact speak contrary to his law, contrary to his truth, and lead people astray. Uh, Over and over again in the history of this world, we see the arising of false prophets and uh, many following after them, uh, from Muhammad to Joseph Smith and many others besides. And uh, Paul would appeal to us. That we, as we have been saved by that word, would hold on to that word and have confidence in that word because that word is brought to us by God himself. Uh, It is ultimately God's action that leads us to faith. That's what he makes so clear here. Verse 14 of chapter 2. To this he, God, called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, Paul doesn't go into uh, huge detail here in these few verses about what that gospel is. But there is a a moving uh, summary of the gospel in a certain sense at least in verse 16 of chapter 2. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us. The gospel is the good news of God's love in Jesus Christ. And gave us. Eternal comfort, the fruit of the gospel in our hearts, is an eternal comfort, assurance, blessedness that surrounds us that we belong to him forever. And good hope through grace. Now, Paul doesn't find a need here to talk at length about the cross and how these blessings in many ways are connected to the cross. But here's the fruit of the saving work of our Lord Jesus Christ in his life and death and resurrection. That we might be a people... Knowing the love of God, the comfort of God, the hope of God, the grace of God. That needs to be what fills our hearts so that we can speak to others, too, of this saving word. And secondly, Paul talks not only about how we are saved by the word, but also how we are secured by the word. Our ongoingness in faith is related to the word, as he says in uh, Verse 15 of chapter 2. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. Uh, It's tragic how much this verse has been abused and misused in the history of the church uh, as if uh, it's an encouragement to look for some secret oral tradition that has been handed down from apostle to others through the centuries. That's not at all what Paul has in mind here. He's talking to people uh, to whom he's preached face to face. And he's saying, you've heard me and you've read me. You know that what I write is what I've preached. And that's what you're to hold on to. And that's what will cause you to stand firm. That's what will cause you to be steadfast. We have to remember that because the pressures are great on us. As God's people, they're great here, they'll be greater in the future. Not to be steadfast, to wander away, uh, to leave that firm foundation. Having taught at uh, Westminster Seminary East and West for 35 years, uh, I've heard the stories, thankfully, not many, but I've heard the stories of seminary students who go out and make shipwreck of the faith. It can happen, we can't be presumptuous about that. And the only way to stay solid is to stay with the word of truth, to remain apostolic, to keep coming back to the word that God himself uses to establish us. Um, Paul pronounces an apostolic blessing there in um, verses uh, 16 and 17 of chapter 2. Now may God... Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work. It's God who will establish you. He'll use his word to do it. But you need to return to him to find strength in him to know that it is he who will secure you uh, by his word. It is he who will guard you. Verse 3 of chapter 3, he will establish you and guard you against the evil one. That's our hope. That's our confidence. That's how we go forward. And that's why when we think about the word, the powerful apostolic word, the word by which we're saved and by which we're secured, we also want to be encouraged by the prophet to remember that it is that word that also speeds ahead the work of our Lord Jesus Christ. An apostolic church is not only focused on me and my salvation and my security, but an apostolic church is one that is passionate about seeing the word of God speeding forward to others. I don't know how much speed Paul saw in his life. No speed power boats, no speed racing cars, no NASCAR races. Um, Probably the best chance he had was maybe a chariot race or a horse race but nonetheless he can write about the word speeding ahead chapter 3 verse 1 finally brothers pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you it's a wonderful way of putting it is the word a blessing to you then you ought to passionately desire that the word would be a blessing to others as it came to you in power with life with blessedness with hope, with comfort we have to be a people praying and working that that might be true for others as well an apostolic church is passionate about the word also as that word goes out to bring life and hope and comfort and peace to many who still dwell in darkness there are many in this world who are deceived and who love the lie but there's hope That the Spirit of God might yet touch their hearts and bring them to the truth, bring them to life, and that he might use us to that great end. And so as um, you sit up most of tonight finishing papers, uh, as you uh, spend the next uh, week or so reading those uh, texts that you have not yet gotten to, especially in church history, as you prepare for finals and uh, maybe at times begin to just uh, wonder if uh, all of this frenetic work is uh, uh, worth what you paid for it, Um, think about an apostolic church and how Christ calls you to be part of an apostolic church in which the word of God is present, powerful, is taught and believed and know that that's how Christ is building his church, that's how Christ is saving and securing you, and that will fill you with hope and believing. Let's pray together. <clears> o <throat> oh Lord, our God, we are thankful that in a world of many voices, you have spoken clearly through your apostles and given to us that deposit of truth that we have in your word. We thank you for this great privilege that is ours. We thank you that uh, we have a secure foundation on which to stand, a word which by your Spirit's operation is a living word, a a building word. And we pray, O Lord, that uh, you would indeed work in our hearts, in the hearts of our families and congregations uh, and around the world, that more and more might come to the light of the truth and find in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ love and comfort and hope and grace. Hear us, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Copyright 2008, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this broadcast on our website is preferred.